So welcome to this episode of Beyond the Uterine Podcast. My name is Keith Seymour, and this is... Ryan Cottle. And we're here today to talk to you about winter retreats or winter camps and how you can avoid really messing them up. Uh, so stay tuned for this episode of Beyond the Youth Room podcast. Now, today's episode is sponsored by Edge Clubs, and we have a free training manual for you to download. Uh, in this manual, it'll show you a strategy on how to launch a campus ministry at public schools near you. And we've used this strategy to, to really launch our students into uh, a missional approach to living out their, their public school lives there. And you can download that at edgeclub.org. And we'd love for you to check it out. Now, today's episode is really crucial because this time of year, you're preparing for a winter retreat or winter camp. Uh, both of our churches that we we help lead the youth ministries are uh, we, we have a, a standing history of doing winter camps or winter retreats, mm -hmm. and we've learned a lot. In fact, um, I think I counted them up with our church alone. I think I've been on over fifty. I think it's up to like past sixty now different camps and retreats that we've been on uh, in my tenure there. So we've learned a lot of what not to do over those years. We've learned from trial and error, and uh, we want to share those best practices with with uh, others that would help, hopefully help you guys to avoid some of the same mistakes. Uh, one of the ones that sticks out to me, we've had lots of issues with transportation over the years, but one specific time. So we're a multi-site uh, church, so we had uh, buses leaving from all different locations. And Prince William, where I've been the youth pastor there for a long time, um, we had a uh, kind of a, a longstanding like tradition that we were the first ones to arrive to camp. Like we would always like somehow beat everybody else because we would like have our, our stuff together, just get on the bus, like everybody would be there, we'd, we'd go. And, uh, and so this, uh, this bus company, they picked up um, uh, our students from this one bus and I'm, I'm driving and I'm like, okay, now this particular camp, it has a confusing entrance. You have to go in a certain way. So if you type in the GPS, it doesn't always work. And, uh, and the bus driver was like, oh, no, no, we got this. I got, I got my GPS. I'm like, listen, like the GPS isn't always correct because it'll take you through this like back way or whatever. And sometimes it's not the, the right way to get. And he's like, no, no, no I got this. So anyway, so we go down the road, and as we're getting there, and we've been to this camp several times, so it was actually Rockbridge Camp. is a Young Life camp that we we booked for um, uh, our, just our church to, to use it for winter. Um, and so we had uh, gotten to this middle-of-nowhere town, Goshen, Virginia, and we are literally about to pull up. Uh, to I'm starting to recognize some things. We're like, okay, I think we're getting close. We're going through the town of Goshen. And all of a sudden the driver, he's like, okay, my GPS is turning, you know, tell me to turn here. And I look and I'm like, that's not it. I was like, that's not the turn. And he's like, oh no, but this is what it says. And so he turns in and I'm like, this is not it. And it's like this gravel road. So he goes in and he goes over these railroad tracks and the bottom of the bus, it's like stuck on the rot on the railroad tracks. And, and so like, we're all like, oh my gosh, like, what do we do? Like, you know, like we, he literally can't move. It's we're on the railroad tracks and we're like, this is like something from a movie. Like, what do, do we have to evacuate? Like, do we have to call 911? Like, what is he's like, oh no, it's fine, it's fine. And he's like, I think it's because you know we have the, the bus fully loaded. So, like, why don't we unload the bus and then I can pull and then go turn around and then come back and then you guys can get back on the bus. So I'm like, okay. So we unload all the students off the bus and we thought that, that was enough weight to you know to lift it up a little bit to where it would go over the tracks. So luckily, like, there's no train coming. So we're like, I don't know what we're going to do. So like all these kids are literally pitch black, like Friday night, like 
and we're literally just stuck on the railroad tracks and all these kids are standing on the railroad tracks. I'm like, this is something from a, like a horror movie, like when it comes to youth ministry liability world. And so, so, so luckily like we didn't have any signal. So no kids are like tweeting this out or like, you know, putting this on their stories or whatever. And so, um, so it, it actually works. So we get off the bus and he's able to have enough clearance to drive over the railroad tracks. He turns around and it's like in someone's like yard. Like it's not even like a, a an actual like business or anything. It's someone's yard that he pulls around, backs up into the yard, and the bus sinks down in the mud. And the both like all of the the rear wheels are just like spinning in mud. And so we're like, not only are we now are we stuck here, like we, we we're not on the railroad tracks anymore, but now we're stuck in the mud. Well, at this point, like these you know rural living dwellers like are just coming out of their houses like hey what's going on like what are you guys doing you know like they see these like city folk with a big bus like coming and uh and so they knew that you know the camp was nearby so we told them like hey we're you know we're trying to make it to this camp oh yeah that's three miles up this way you know they're giving us instruction we're like well right now we're stuck well then these kind of redneck guys are arguing how to get the bus out they're like well i got a tractor i know a guy with a tow truck and so they're calling their friends and all of a sudden this tow truck shows up and he's like, well, let me hook it up to, uh, you know, to the to the bumper, and we can pull the bus out. And as it's going, so all the kids are still standing, like you know, next to the railroad tracks, like waiting for the like now it's getting cold. And so, uh, so the bus driver, um, you know, he's like, okay, well, I'll start. You're like, why don't we hook up the things? Well, so the the tow truck hooks up to the bumper, starts to take off to pull, rips the entire front bumper off the bus, and and we're all like standing there, like, did is this? Is this hat like? Is this really happening? So the tow truck drives off with the bumper still you know, dragging or whatever, thinking that he's pulling the bus behind. He's like, "Oh, this is easy." Yeah. So he's just driving along, and the bumpers just dragging along. And so then, uh, so we're now we're like, well, "What are we gonna do about this bus now?" Like, so then this other guy is like, "Well, I've got my tractor. I'll I'll pull around. This time we'll wrap around the front axle." And I'm like, "It's not gonna pull the axle off of the." You know? So he ends up getting his tractor, pulls out the bus with his tractor. The tractor's like doing wheelies as he's like pulling the tractor bus out. Pulled. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh my goodness!" So needless to say, we're all standing here. We're waiting for them to figure out like how to get this bus out. Well, I look over and I start talking to this guy and he's asking questions and, and uh, I'm like, you know, like, how did you know about this? He's like, oh, like, well, you know, news spreads really fast around, around these parts. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, well, you know, and he's telling me all these things about the town. I'm like, how do you know so much about this town? He's like, well, I'm the mayor of Goshen. And he's like, when I heard all this commotion, I decided to come out to be a representative of the town. So not only did we fail miserably about, you know, giving the right directions to the bus driver and all that stuff to, um, but Needless to say, we got to meet the town mayor, and we got to see – it was a Friday night entertainment for the whole town. They all came – like, people were just driving up their pickup trucks, parking, and just watching us try to pull out this bus. And uh, needless to say, uh, we didn't use that bus company anymore, and we learned from our mistakes. But, yeah, I understand you have uh, some some stories about yeah. winter camp and winter retreats as well. So tell us a little about that. Um, so we go to a winter camp, same winter camp, uh, River Valley Ranch in uh, middle of nowhere, Maryland. Highly recommend it. And we started going there when I was a student in, in our student ministry. And, um, you know, so it had been a while since I'd been back. But first time, you know, I came back on staff. It's been a tradition, and, and kids really enjoyed going there. So I was like, all right, sweet, let's go there again. So uh, my favorite part about this place is you think Goshen's in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> this yeah. place is in the I middle mean, would of winter camp be, like, successful if it was, like, somewhere? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It has to be in the middle of nowhere. Like, like it's an it old yeah. mill town that they turned in. Like, really, yeah. really cool. They do an awesome job. But um, we're not the only church that goes there. There's, there's other churches that meet there. And so um, this was, you know, when we first started, we had a smaller group. 
so now we're that group with the charter bus that rolls into like the middle of nowhere. But when we first started, it was just kind of like people, parents, volunteering drive. Well, we actually had uh, a van and all of our high schoolers were in the van. And um, we get out and, you know, I'm like, hey, grab your stuff, wait here. I need to go check in and then I'll tell you what cabin we're in and then we'll, we'll go check in because it's, it's pretty spread out, pretty big um, campus. And so they're like, okay, sweet. So they go to the other side of the street because there was buses coming, and I go to the other side with my wife. And um, two buses pass by, and in the time it takes for two buses to pass by, I look across the street, and all of our kids are gone. They have all their stuff. They're with one of our leaders just gone. And I'm like, what do I do now? <laughs> like, I haven't, I haven't So you arrived at camp and immediately lose your kids. Lost all of them. Yeah, that's, and, that's uh, great. And I was joking later when the leader was like, yeah, the fact that I was with them probably made you feel worse, not better. And I was like, maybe a little bit, but uh, he's, he's one of my really good friends. And so I literally go in to, like, check in. And obviously, I don't say anything about the fact that I don't know where my students are. And so they give they give us, like, our cabin assignment. So I was like, okay. And my, my wife, Kathleen, is like, where did they go? Like, what are they doing? And so I go in into our cabin. And I was like, well, I guess I'll go here and then I'll go find our kids wherever they are. I walk into our cabin and all of our guys are just like in the cabin. They're like, oh, hey, Ryan. And I'm like, <laughs> You're like where were what? you? Yeah. And they're like, oh, we just assumed we were in the same cabin as yeah. last year. Yeah, and so I like tried to play it off like, oh, yeah, sure, <laughs> fine. But it, in my mind, I'm like, all right, clearly I'm the new one here. And yeah. like, you know, they already know what's going on. So I was like, maybe I'll just kind of tag along this uh, yep. this weekend. But yep. yeah, lost all of them in, in five seconds. And um, we have no technology at our camps um, and there's no service anyway. So it was like, this you was like what it was yeah. like when you were a little kid. Yeah, you're like having to think like, what did people do before cell phones? Yeah, I think yeah. follow the stars or something. Yeah, follow so the stars, like, yeah. smoke signals, yeah. Yeah, so needless to say, whether you're uh, having transportation issues with camp that you hopefully can avoid, um, or you're losing your students right when you arrive at camp, that's never a, a good feeling. Uh, especially if you have to call parents to ask them, "Hey, uh, we lost, we lost your parent, or we lost your kids. Do you know where they are?" I've had like, to do that in downtown DC before, yeah. so uh, yeah, I don't don't recommend yeah. that. Well, we actually had we a found, girl. I think uh, really I we had a girl, which uh, she ended up being like a, a, a stellar student leader as she grew older. But we had a middle school camp one time where she just wandered off in the woods and couldn't find her way back. And we didn't know like she was gone immediately because we had like free time activities where all the kids were going around, and we didn't expect anybody to just like leave those free time activities. So we're assuming like everybody's still at the. Well, we get a phone call from her parents. Saying like, "Hey, do you know where she is?" And we're like, "Oh yeah, she's yeah, she's right. I just saw her like a little bit ago." And she's like, "No, she's with some farmer, like <laughs> at a nearby like farm." And we're like, "What? Like, what are you talking about?" She had wandered through the woods and like onto this farm, and then a farmer was like out in the field and was like, "Hey, can I help you?" And she, she's like, "Yeah, I think I need to call my parents." She, the only phone number she had then was her parents' number, so she called back home, and then they called us, and yeah, it was a but it ended up being a great situation, but we learned a lot from knowing how you know. Yeah. Where that's only happened once, to my knowledge, where so students that you know, out. yeah. And uh, so, anyways, regardless of all that, we ha we definitely have um, stories of, of things that we've done wrong or that we can do better. And so, uh, some of the things that we want to we want to like squeeze every ounce of um, effort that we put into camp. We want to make sure that like we're we're seeing the results. Like we want to see like the Lord working. We want to provide an atmosphere where students are learning about the Lord and growing in a safe environment. Like they're not getting lost. They're not, you know, um, getting stuck on a bus somewhere. And so with that, um, there's some best practices that, that we've kind of put together and, and, uh, that I've learned over the years. And number one, 
how to get the most out of a retreat or a winter camp is is to really view this time as a as a time of harvest and not just sowing. So we think of camps as like, okay, we'll send them to camp, and that's when they're really learning about the Lord. And um, if we're doing youth ministry right, I believe that we have a, a season of sowing where we're planting seeds. We're you know day in and day out. <clears throat> Sorry, week in and week out at our youth ministries, like we're investing in them spiritually. And then we see um, camps as a way for have those pointed conversations, like to have like a real focus, like attention on, you know, the distractions of the world have, have kind of been peeled away. They're not on their phones as much or, or not at all in your case. Mm-hmm. We take the technology away as well. So they're really focused and then we're pumping them full of sermons and, and awesome fellowship with other Christians. And so we want to see this as a time of harvest and not just sowing. And so with that, uh, we, we ask hard questions during camp. We, you know, we, we present the gospel, we give invitations, we, you know, we, we challenge students in ways that we, we don't always get to or have the opportunity to throughout the school year. And, uh, and so that's what I tell my leaders as we're going, you know, my adult leaders that have been serving with them, sometimes like they're, during their small group time, which they have small group time with them like every week, you know, at, at home. But, um, but when they're at camp, they're like, hey, I remember like six months ago, you mentioned this, like that really made a difference. And, we're like, and they're like, well, you were listening? Like, what do you mean? Like, so and oftentimes like it's harvest time for the, the leaders that have been investing in these students for so long. Uh, number two is, uh, this is something that we can do as youth leaders to prepare our adult uh, leaders is, is to tee them up to have one-on-one spiritual conversations with every student. And so we call them, um, you know, uh, come spiritual. So you go to the doctor to get a physical, you go to church camp to get a spiritual. And so you want to have that, that time one-on-one with every student. And that can look different, you know, based on the context. Uh, sometimes it's just like, Hey, we're going to go to this activity as a group. Why don't you guys go ahead and I'll walk behind with so-and-so so we can do the spiritual. Or sometimes it's like a sit down on a picnic table and like, you know, ask them some hard questions. Uh, we have a list of questions that they go through or some conversation starters. Mm-hmm. And that really reveals where the student is with the Lord. And we just want to make sure that every leader knows where all the students are when it comes to the Lord. And we've talked about this before, about the four chair models, about, you know, chair one being a non-believer, chair two being a believer, chair three being a worker, and chair four being a disciple maker. The leader should, after a conversation with them, you know, in a perfect scenario, like they would know where they stand in that in that range and, uh, and get to have some pointed conversations with them. Uh, the third thing is, uh, is to bridge the new spiritual awareness. So oftentimes we see like the camp high happening. We want to make sure that we're bridging that back to habits and things that connect us to programs with our youth ministries back home as well. So it's not just like a one and done, like drop the evangelism, camp high bomb, whatever, and then just leave. Like we want to make sure that they're literally coming back and continuing that excitement for the Lord. Um, and some of that's just identifying, okay, what about the camp setting makes it this camp high? Well, you don't have the influence of the world as much. Like you're away from your friends, TV, like, you know, uh, social media. You're being pumped with the word of God. Like you're literally like doing sermon. You know, you're sitting in sermons, um, worshiping God. Uh, you're around other Christians, like fellowship. And so when we look at the book of Acts, like this is the normal Christian life, right? So demonstrate that to the students so that they can see, hey, the reason why you have such an excitement for the Lord here is because these are the things that normal Christians do. Like when we go back home and we don't do those things, there should be a visible connection there of like, okay, we're not experiencing the same excitement. So therefore we need to put those habits in place. So try to bridge that gap. And we do that through lots of ways. So like we have them commit to something while they're there. So we've, we've made and printed like, uh, like 21 day devotionals or 30 day devotionals. And we say, Hey, uh, who can commit to doing this as you return home? You know, so they're spending time with the Lord, like each day and getting into that habit that they built at camp. 
Um, number four is encourage students to call home and apologize or share the commitment that they've made with their parents. Now, this is a huge thing. Not every student does this, and sometimes it's not even possible physically because of lack of self-service. Or, mm -hmm. But to have some kind of uh, encouragement to where students can you know, be aware of things, that, uh, ways that they've hurt their siblings or, or their parents and, and maybe even sinned against them to where they want to you know, come clean. We found that if you wait too long, they're, they'll convince themselves out of it, right? Mm -hmm. So they'll they'll say like, oh, well, it wasn't that big of a deal. Like, or that was just when I was thinking there. It's like, you know, have them commit to it, like, and even give them an opportunity to call uh, parents and, and and share their commitment with the, with the Lord there. And then number five is track decisions and feedback while there or on the bus ride home. So oftentimes we get back and, and we're sharing like, well, I think that students felt this way. It's like, well, what are you basing that thought on? It's like, if you have actually hard data where it's like, okay, well, they filled out these feedback forms and they said the food stinks. Like, well, we know that the food stinks. Like, it's not just my preference. Like, we need to correct that for next year or we need to help, um, you know, in a different area or whatever. And and so to get the feedback, track decisions so that you can kind of see, okay, this camp was was strategic and it was valuable and it was effective mm -hmm. in these ways. And so you can kind of track that. So when I listed out all those four, or I'm sorry, those five, what sticks out to you and maybe would you add any uh, to, to the list that I came up with? I think no technology is a huge one. Um, we have it for winter camp and summer camp where students are not allowed to bring technology. And um, and what do you mean like technology? You mean like pacemakers? Um, yeah. yeah. We, we, like what, what kind of technology do you prohibit? Um, any, any phones, any tablets, um, any like... Um, obviously laptops this, this, right this is kind of like old school but like i've had kids be like can i bring my like mp3 player and i'm like no like <laughs> you're fine <laughs> what is that yeah. yeah um so yeah we we don't allow them to bring it and people are always like the, the number one pushback i hear is well my kids they're just so used to it and it's like that's the problem that's the problem like, yeah that, that's yeah. the point and every year i, I um I can honestly say every time, you know, there's always a kid who's like not super happy that they can't bring their phone or stuff. Um, and we don't even say, hey, you're not allowed to bring your phone. We say, parents, we ask that you take their phone. Mm -hmm. That does twofold. Number one, it kind of provides a conversation for the parents. You know, if a kid has anything on their phone that they don't want their parents to see, mm -hmm. um, it allows them to have that conversation. But two, um, you know, when they come, we every year there's always, they always say one thing. They're like, I really enjoyed not having my phone. And it makes a big difference. And I've also found that the majority of issues I've run into behavior-wise involve technology in some way or another. Mm. Um, and so a lot of times it's even if our kids don't have phones, you know, other kids might from other churches if we're doing that or different things. And oftentimes if there wasn't technology, like a lot of the problems would be gone. And yeah. we make it clear parents can call us and we'll get them in contact with the student. Yeah. Um, and actually a, a follow-up on, on what you said about the 101s. Um, it really kind of takes the pressure off of small groups, I found. I think a lot of times we go away, and a lot of camps, a lot of retreat centers, they're not really designed for small group breakout sessions. Um, you know, hopefully they are, but a lot of times you're in your cabin, you're in your bunk, you might be in the, the dining hall while, you know, they're making lunch, yeah. and so it can be pretty tough. And so a lot of times we're, like, wanting kids to really open up, and I found the one-on-ones really take the pressure off that because you're able to have that conversation with a student, and they're able to be honest with you, and then it kind of builds into the small group where they're kind of like, hey, I know I said this to you, but then they have the confidence to share that with their their friends or, or those around them. And so that's been hugely beneficial for us because we found that the one-on-ones, they really don't hinder the small group because no kid's going to be like, well, I already said this once, but they really enhance. Yeah. And it takes the pressure off of one kid really opening up and then every, you know, yep, we've all been to huge. that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of allows kids, especially the quieter kids too, to have a time to talk to. So those are the two big things I've thought. No technology, but then absolutely reinforce the one-on-ones. When we started doing those, it changed the whole dynamic of, yeah. of our retreat for, for the, you know, the, the good. That's huge. Yeah, and even with the no technology, so we started doing that um, not too long ago, um, maybe a few years back, and and it was good to um, to have that. Now we have a little bit of variance um, for that, so we allow students to keep their their phones and stuff um, on the bus ride, and then we take them away from when they get there. They actually we have tubs that they put them in, and then uh, you know we label them and stuff, and then uh, keep them, and then they give them back at the end of camp. So there's different ways you can do it, and we do that primarily um, one. Um, we found that if they have some things like on the bus that where there's less behavioral issues because there's like, you know, just, yeah, you, you can kind of zone out and like veg out, whatever, and, 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 um, you know, text with your friends or whatever. But also, like, they wanted to take pictures mm-hmm. at camp. So um, we didn't allow them to have, but we'd give them to them right before they got back on the bus. So they can take selfies with their friends or take some pictures at camp before they got back on the bus to go home. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a, there's huge, but yeah, that was a, a big game changer when we started taking away during camp. Like, that was a, a huge thing for us. Um, yeah. And, and with that, there's, there's so many things that, that you can do to enhance, like, you know, students experience at camp. And I think that's like the no brainer one these days, because we're so inundated with, with technology and, and social media and, and entertainment that when you take that away, it really allows room for the Lord to, to work. Um, one of the things that, that I like to do, um, with, uh, with, um, with, with our leaders is to kind of explain how we can actually waste the weekend. So in other words, like to give, uh, volunteers an opportunity to say, Hey, like this is going to be over before you know it. These are some ways that you can finish this weekend and be like, man, I should have done something different. Like, and so, um, after seeing like so many different things over the years, one, uh, we tell our leaders this in our training, we say, you know, you cannot see programs as only for the kids. Like anytime the, the word of God is preached, you can learn. Like, it's not just like, Oh, this is just for the students. This is just for the teenagers. So during the, the, the sessions, like take notes, pay attention, process things yourself. Like, don't just like hand it to them, but like literally observe it and absorb it for, for yourself as well. Um, another way that you can waste the weekend as a volunteer or staff is miss opportunities for spiritual conversations. So there's one-on-one, uh, convos, uh, are during you know, free time or we'll walk into the next event. Um, it won't organically happen all the time. You have to be intentional. As you know, like you have to literally say like, I'm coming after you. Like, I'm, we're going to have that one-on-one. And, and students actually look forward to it. Yeah, they do. In fact, we had a kid uh, that, that had one-on-one with his leader at um, at camp. And then he comes to his leader at the end. He's like, hey, you know that thing that we did, like, where we talked, like, you know, with each other, like, one-on-one? He's like, can we do that, like, all the time? And he's like, you mean, like, discipleship? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> so it's developed, like, discipleship relationships over time. Can we even come out of camp where we've mm-hmm. we've had students that are hungry for that? They want that that um, that kind of personalized approach to to, to mentorship and, and discipleship. Uh, number three is um, uh, a way that you can waste your weekend uh, is spend too much time hanging out with just other adults. So we I don't know about you guys, but we have. Um, we usually set up like a volunteer room where they can come and like get refreshments. Like we have parents and stuff that donate food and like coffee and stuff so that they can uh, just come there and if they need a break, like, they, you know, it's kind of quiet or whatever, like they can just kind of chill out. But what we noticed is that a lot of the adults were just hanging out there for a long time. It's like, where are your kids? Like, oh, they're in free time. So like, no, no, like go with them. Like use this as just kind of like a pit stop. But, um, you know, we naturally gravitate towards other people that are like us. And so, you know, as adults, like we need to be more intentional about really trying to spend more time with the kids so that those organic conversations can happen. Um, number four, we always tell our leaders this, complain about how we can do things better after camp. 
So, so we want to make sure that, like, in the moments, like, we've already planned this out. Like, there's, of course, there's some changes that we can make right away. But most of the stuff, like, we've already planned out. Like, the schedule can't change in the middle of camp. Like, the way that we do this, it's like, well, our, our kids need more time to sleep. It's like, well, we can't change the whole camp schedule right now. Like, we need to, like, we can collect that feedback, though, to, to improve it better. So collect feedback from your adult volunteers as they're observing things. But um, I think in our area specifically, we have a lot of um, type A personalities, we have high achieving individuals that lead our, our ministry. Like our parents are, are, you know, FBI agents and, you know, secret other th- yeah, secret service. And so they're very high capacity people. And so they have a lot of feedback on how to improve things and how to, you know, how to run things. And so, so we've always told our adult leaders, it's like, we welcome your feedback, but just please wait until the end of camp, unless it's something like really pressing or, or dangerous or something that we need to address. Um, and then number five is talk too much or reteach everything during group time. So when we have group time, try to get the students to, to talk and engage. Like they literally just sat through a sermon or through a message. Um, and so you don't need to reteach it and talk the whole time. And I think that was a tendency for some of our leaders is that they felt like they needed to talk more. And it's like, no, just ask a question and then wait. Like actually provide some awkward silence so that students know, oh, I'm going to respond. Like I'm, I'm supposed to speak up here. And so with that, like we tell our volunteer staff those things um, to help uh, help them not to waste the weekend for themselves. Um, but then over the years, we've also seen um, how parents can actually discourage the work of the Lord when the kids return home from camp. And so this might be valuable, too, to, to kind of share that uh, ways that parents can discourage their students is that they, they dismiss the new excitement as just a camp high. So the kids come in, they're like, oh, I'm so excited. This is what the Lord did. And they're like, oh, well, it's just camp high. It's not going to last. Well, that just kind of threw a wet blanket over the whole, you know, just, and, uh, and so with it, like, don't dismiss this new excitement, like cultivate this, like, tell me more about this. Like, how can we, how can we make sure that this happens? Like even at home here, like, and, and, uh, and a lot of times as you've observed too, we've mentioned this before is sometimes parents are intimidated by their own students growing, maybe even surpassing their own spiritual growth or like their obedience level. And so it, it threatens them. And then they like shut it down more, you know? And so we want to make sure that we're not doing that. Um, don't ask engaging questions about what the Lord did in their lives um, at camp. If you want to waste their, if you want to just completely discourage, like don't ask any engaging questions. So like we tell students uh, or tell parents to, as soon as they get home, like ask engaging questions. Don't ask like, how was it? It's good. You know, so we, that's a typical teenage response. It's like, what did the Lord show you like during camp? Like, what did he teach you? Like, how is it to connect with other believers there? Like what, you know, so ask engaging questions that will help uh, cultivate that experience for them. Um, again, like uh, you can waste or discourage your students uh, spiritually after camp by being intimidated or competitive spiritually. We've seen parents do that, as I just mentioned. Um, and then uh, number four, don't hold them accountable to their commitments. Um, so if they committed to do something, don't be like, um, yeah, well, that won't last. You know, that that's something. So definitely hold them accountable to what they're committed to. And then prioritize uh, continue fellowship, worship, Bible reading, youth ministry programming. Like have them continue on doing the things that they learned how to do at camp, and and you'll see continued excitement as they as they live out the their faith. So, yeah, what are some things that that you would um, tell someone who is preparing for camp? I mean, obviously, there's so many different things for that. Um, but how would you how would you say how do you like spiritually prepare yourself mm-hmm. so that you're ready for camp? So first, we need to understand. As you know, we've both kind of mentioned most of the time, the most chaotic are the most fruitful. Mm. So, you know, Ephesians 6 12 reminds us that we do not battle against flesh and blood, um, but against, you know, the, the spiritual battle that's, that's actually going on. And so we need to understand if I go to a retreat and everything went smoothly, probably didn't have yeah, the spiritual like just, impact. Yeah. yeah. Um, not say that there still wasn't stuff and, and we always want it to go well and we pray for logistics and all that, but understanding that, hey, when things go south, like, 
I actually sometimes get excited, which sounds a little bad. Not like if anything actually yeah. bad happens, but like if there's inconveniences, I'm like, okay, this is good. Like, because this means that there's probably going to be, you know, we're, we're trying to be, the devil's trying to distract us. Let's focus back in on what's actually happening. So I think number one, preparing for a spiritual battle. Mm. You know, if we're going to get intensive in God's word and, and, and we're going to remove distractions, well, mm-hmm. the, the devil's not going to like that. Yep. So we need to prepare for spiritual battle as a group. We also need to prepare for a spiritual battle individually, you know. So a lot of times for us, it's it's rush, rush, rush to get things done. And then we go to camp. Um, and sometimes we're exhausted before we even get there. And and so I always try and make it, you know, a thing. The day of when we leave for camp, I've got everything done. So the day of, I can just kind of take my time. You know, of course, there's always like a parent phone call or something like that. But I can kind of clear my schedule so I can kind of, hey, when we get on that bus, I'm not drained already. Like mm-hmm. I'm stepping on the bus able to set the tone for kind of the weekend. Yeah. And then as a group as a whole, I think setting clear expectations. Mm. It's easy to get kids to go to camp by saying, you know, there's going to be zip lining and paintball and, you know, bubble ball and horseback riding. Um, kids get excited about that. But kids will also get excited if you say, hey, there's going to be a lot of fun things. Yes, enjoy it. But here's the reason we're going away. And that's to give you an opportunity to hear from God and to ask any question that's on your mm. mind or share with us anything that's going on in your life. Yeah. And I think when you set that, it helps when kids start to stray from that, we can kind of pull them back and say, hey, remember we talked about this, mm-hmm. rather than trying in the moment to sit down and explain, hey, this is why we need to change some things. Mm. So I think setting that clear expectations for everybody, it helps, hey, this is going to be a fun time. It's going to be a weekend that you're going to remember for the rest of your life. But don't forget why we're here in the first place. And when yeah. you kind of keep that the main thing, the main thing, then it kind of, when parents are like, hey, well, my kid didn't love this, be like, well, we're sorry to hear that, but here's why we did that and it, everything ties back to it yeah. so i think understanding there's a spiritual battle and setting clear expectations for everybody involved mm-hmm. of, of the whole purpose of it yeah well i know like it's a uh, um it's it's often easy to not really have a quiet time yourself like while you're at camp or like leading up to because you're so busy like and I, I would just yeah heavily discourage that like really want to make sure that you're having time alone with the lord mm-hmm. not like i mean you might not have like this you know amazing like three hour prayer time before you know it's like because you're probably getting less sleep three hours is about or, how yeah, much sleep you're yeah, getting. yeah exactly and so but to really have um to avoid that what they call the starving baker syndrome or you're feeding everybody else but you're not actually eating yourself and then you just collapse yeah. collapse and and uh and then also like what i found is sometimes the the camp experience like after a camp is usually like when temptation hits like afterwards. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, you're you're exhausted, you're coming home, like, you know, make sure that you're putting boundaries in place, like so that you're not like just completely checking out of your faith. Like, you know, personally, like when you get home, like that's where I feel like most attacked. It's like right after the Lord did something amazing. And then it's like, okay, now you're yeah, it's like the same thing with Elijah, right? Where he saw the Lord literally just consume something with fire and then he's like running from someone else the next like the next scene. And you're like and what a pouty crybaby. Like, we, yeah. you know, and, and so with that, like, you know, we can have these momentous mountaintop experiences within the valleys, like, may, might follow right right after that. So to be prepared for that. Um, yeah, so with that, like, we definitely uh, want to help you guys to, uh, to to do well at, you know, winter camps, winter retreats. Um, and, and so with that, like, this is why we put together this, uh, this, this episode here specifically because we know that it can come and go. And then you look back and you're like, man, that was fast. Like it happened so quickly. And we want to help you guys to really squeeze every ounce of what the Lord could potentially do through these camps as we prepare. And so if you've gotten any value from this episode, we'd love for you to leave a comment or provide feedback to us. Um, if you feel like this, this, uh, this content is valuable to someone else that you know, please share it with them. 
uh, we're, we're trying to grow and, uh, and uh, to help as many people as possible with this stuff. It's all completely free to you. So um, please uh, like and share so that helps out with PPC as well. And uh, thank you guys so much and we'll see you in the next episode.